lightning. Inspirational. Inspirational. Powerfully refining. Powerfully refining. And unapologetically controversial. Conversations with the Royal Impress. The entire world knows the secret of who you are. Now is the time to step into your queendom and become the Royal Empress that you're meant to be. One woman at a time. Conversations with the Royal Empress. Now Akima, she's the analytical Empress. Akima, she's the Empress that will challenge you. Now, straighten up your crown and be elevated through conversation. Conversation with the Royal Empress. Welcome back to Conversations with the Royal Empress. This is Dr. Hakima. And joining me is my sister from another mother, my kindred spirit, and co-host of Royal Empress, Akia. Also joining us is a very special co-host, also my brother from another mother, the reason I made it through the doctor program, and also my fellow alum, Argosy alum, that is, Dr. Curtis Todd. How you doing, bro? You know what? It's good to be here, and I appreciate the opportunity to come out in a diatribe with uh, two positive Black females. Hey, that's what we're talking about. So today's topic, well, let me say a little bit about you first before we go into the topic. I want to say this about you. Dr. Todd, not only my brother from another mother, not only the person that helped me complete this, this, this term of degree, but Dr. Todd is an associate adjunct faculty instructor with several online colleges and universities. Also a certified CPR, first aid, and AED instructor. So if anything ever happened while you're around, I know I'm safe because you know CPR. Only <laughs> you if you don't me. owe me money. <laughs> <laughs> he is awesome. <laughs> I better make sure I'm paid up. Also, Chief Operating Officer of Ray of Hope Foster Care and Adoption Services. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Todd. Today's topic, the need for black men in higher education, leading the black community through business, research, and development. Ooh, this is gonna be a powerful topic today. So what are your thoughts, uh, Dr. Todd, about the importance of having a, a black man in higher education and what it means or for the black community? Uh, you, you, <clears throat> I'm going to say this. I think that, and, and you and I touched on this earlier, you know, the terminal degree for black Americans in this country is 000.05. I mean, it's very <laughs> minute. Um, and then for uh, black males, it's even smaller than that. And to go back, growing up um, in my neighborhood, in my environment, we didn't see a lot of uh, corporate heads who were black, if you will. I grew up in the Midwest. I'm from Omaha, so you already know how that dynamic runs. But, <laughs> um, one of the things that we did see was we saw a lot of black men working and instilling that, you know, that discipline and ability to get up and go to work. Now, as I was getting older, you know, that parlayed into going to school and getting an education, having some skills and not just soft skills, but life skills as well. Now, what I see in present day 
I see that we're making strides as black men in higher education, but we still have a long way to go because a lot of times, for, for instance, when I'm teaching, I know I have a lot of African-American males in there and I have to be extra supportive because I know what it's like to have all these other issues on your back and then try to sit down and go to school and then have somebody telling you what you need to do. You know, that, that, that's a lot and that can create some issues. But I think that we need more terminal degree men out there, black men, just to give that next generation that hand up. Like, look, see, you can be successful. It's not all about the internet. It's not all about technology, even though those are good. If you don't have very good people skills, you're not gonna be successful in business. You're not gonna be successful in school. You're gonna have some issues. So those are a few of my thoughts. Kayla, what are your thoughts? <laughs> really? <laughs> I say, really? No, I'm just, I mean, I agree. I have a son. So, you know, for me, I, I feel like in watching his, him go through college and all of that, which was one of the reasons I actually wanted him to go to an HBCU. Mm -hmm. And I, we didn't go that route because at the time, none of them offered his major. But I looked at that as an opportunity because I knew that there would actually be black male professors at these schools. And I thought that it would help him along the way. And I still feel that way. I still feel like when black boys, black young men, when they see people who look like them, that it's inspiring and it's what they need. And so we have to see images of ourselves to know that this is actually good for you and that it's doable. But if you're in an environment where you never see images of you and, you know, we already have an educational system that's not necessarily conducive to learning for many of our people that, you know, then they're kind of still lost in the system sometimes. And so we see that, that uh, dropout rate of college greater with black boys, with black men, than we do with women. And I think that's because the, the, the school, the systems are, they're not seeing themselves. And then, you know, so I'm in agreement, obviously, that we need to have more terminal degrees, but there's a mentorship element that I think that goes into being a, a black male professor at these universities and colleges and, um, Without that, what, you know, what, what, what do we do? Are we going to continue to see the same dynamics with, you know, with younger Black men? Or they have to wait till they get older to kind of get it together and realize, you know, oh, okay, well, I kind of need this to get here. Right. <laughs> but it takes you till you're almost 30 years old to figure that out. <laughs> Okay, now wait a minute. Now it, it, uh, I was thirty six, and, and then I figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but, <laughs> but I agree with what you're saying because yeah. But would you have? But would it? Would you have done it sooner? Well, you, but, but then I saw that you did go to an HBCU, though. I, I'm gonna you're... tell you this. Okay. I'm gonna tell you this. I growing up in the Midwest. Look, I went to undergraduate school in South Dakota. Okay. Yeah, so, I've been in South Dakota. Uh, you know the drill. You know the drill. <laughs> we had a lot of brothers from Shy up there playing ball. Oh, that's the opportunity <laughs> to South Dakota. Trust me. But uh, when when I went to the HBCU, when I went to uh, Clark, it was graduate school, 
Right. And that was a totally different uh, mindset because I was already, you know, working in corporate. But to see, you know, black male professors, mm-hmm. that sparked me to continue because it's like, okay, they're going to give it to us real. And I'm glad that they did not sugarcoat it. And some of the teachings that was uh, given to me through the uh, graduate program, I use today with my students because, you know, if we're trying to lift up our people, then you can't take any, you know, mess either. You have to be firm. You have to let them know the expectations and what won't be tolerated. When they told me that at Clark, oh, I had to straighten up. You know, I had to straighten up because otherwise I'm going to waste, you know, $60,000 worth of an education and I got to pay that back. Well, yeah, yeah, I do. So I think, you know, you, you made some uh, good points earlier, you know, with people that look like you, because when we're in that environment and we see people doing what we want to do, then that gives us a, an extra boost because if they can do it, hey, we can do it. I agree. I, I wanted to just point out, I have a, a friend uh, whose son just graduated from Morehouse. Oh, <laughs> yeah, the, the wonderful class who's getting there. <laughs> but it was funny because she sent me a text message um, of her son's test that he took in one of his classes. And the professor wrote on the test, if you did not study, you might as well just go home, basically, because you're not going <laughs> to pass this test. And her son said, one of the guys just got up. <laughs> Why lie? Why lie? <laughs> but I thought about that, and, and I, but I was thinking as you were saying that, that accountability thing mm-hmm. and giving it to them basically straight no chaser. No. And that's, and that's something that our boys, our young men need. They need to understand, but they need to hear that from a man. They hear it enough from us, from black women, mm-hmm. because, or whoever, because... In, in grammar school and high school, the majority of the teachers that they come in contact with are women. So my mom was a teacher, so yeah. <laughs> I said my mom was a teacher, so yeah. So yeah, right. So she yeah. was in the schools and at home, right? <laughs> Double trouble, man. Double trouble. <laughs> but I just thought, but I had never heard of a professor writing that on an exam before. And it, and, and, what it did for me was like, this is what it's like to be at a, <laughs> That's what that told me. I and think to have a black man teaching. <laughs> and it's, it's, you know, it, to me, I was intimidated my first day of class. Wow. Um, and and I'm, I'm a grown man, you know, I'm working <laughs> in corporate, but I'm looking at, you know, Dr. Fennell is his name. He was our chairperson at Clark. And the way he presented himself, the way he carried himself, you knew you had to straighten up when you came into class. I remember that HBCU, you know, some of us were a little financially challenged with monies. So somebody went and painted the the windows closed. So it was hot in our class. Here's what Dr. Fennell said. Yeah, I know you guys are hot and bothered, but uh, you know, if this was at the club, you wouldn't have a problem. (laughs) We just need to go ahead and get it in. Oh. That to me, right there, that did it. That did it. I was mad, but he made he made sense. <laughs> I've been in plenty of hot clubs. I know what you're talking about. 
Everybody sweating, but everybody still dancing. <laughs> still loud. Feet just hurt. <laughs> <laughs> House music pumping, and everybody was hey, <laughs> sweating and everything. Hold up, where that dollar is at? <laughs> <laughs> In my case, you know, Farley was still mixing, and folks were like, "Shoot, I don't care if it's a hundred degrees in here, Farley mixing." <laughs> hey, hey. You know, you know how we get, you get a group of folks and boy, yeah, you get it going on, it's going on. That's true, that's true. I just want to also indicate too that, you know, professors, you're talking about a lifelong relationship or someone who serves as a mentor and just having to have a, a black man as a professor in higher education gives an opportunity for a young black man to develop a relationship with someone who's, who serves as not just instructor, but a mentor of life. And, and so I think that is so needed. It, it gives, as you said earlier, Keely, it gives a young black man someone they can identify with. Just saying, you know, here's another black man. And not just that, here's someone who understands the obstacles that I, I have to go through just to come to school. Uh, like you said, Dr. Todd, and that's very key for, for our children to go to a school and the instructor just don't understand the obstacles that they have and really don't really know how to communicate with them so therefore if you can't communicate with me you really can't support me you don't know when to be firm with me and you don't know when to be merciful with me makes it harder for me to relate to you as an instructor which means like i'm not hearing what you teach like i would as if i had developed a strong relationship with you i just hear people always talk about man i, I still talk to my instructor from when they were in school and they still have that relationship and it's like a a mental relationship and that's very important because as black people we're very relational people and we are inspired and motivated by relationships. So in, in higher education, relationships are very much needed. And I think about maybe the young ladies who may need that father figure or that, that firm man, that, life, that man in their life that there's firm and pushing them academically would make just as much of a strong impact as well. Um, do you agree, Dr. Todd? You, you know, you made some good points there. Um, I, I like the the concept of uh, black folks being relational because you know we got to have relations you know? <laughs> and how come we got to slam the cars down when we play in space <laughs> and dominoes <laughs> well, you know slapping bones but you know it's all in camaraderie um uh since i teach online it's kind of difficult to keep up that mentorship because what i don't like to do outside of class is to have a mentorship like that because the lines can get a little skewed. Um, but I, I do, as you were talking, you reminded me of one of my professors, Dr. Alonge. He used to say, you must continue to write and write well. Cameroon, <laughs> you know. So right. uh, one of the things was, and then I take that mantra with me as I'm teaching because mm -hmm. if, and you're right, if I cannot communicate with you, how am I going to teach you? Okay. And it, it kind of reminds me of that book. What is it? Uh, Your blues ain't like mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got to read that one. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. And, you know, simple fact that if you can't communicate, you're going to have difficulties. And I've checked out um, in a few trainings or a few classes where I didn't feel like I had a connection with my instructor. And that's one of the main things because we have to set the tone. We have to keep your interest. We have to, like I tell them, I'm not here for you to like, but at the end of my class, you're going to know. Some of you are going to make it and some of you are not going to make it. 
Do I feel bad if uh, certain people don't make it? I used to mm. at the very beginning, but like I tell students and I warn them day one, <laughs> the bar is higher in this course. These are the expectations. Okay, and then I have people come in and want to challenge me. Okay, I don't have a problem with that. If you're going to step up, I want to hear what you have to say. But you better come correct. Because if not, we're going to have a problem. And then that problem is going to have you wondering if you need to continue your education. And I'm not, I'm not here to do that. But don't, don't come at me wrong. <laughs> what did Matthias you know say? The, the, the same hand I feed you with, I choke you with. <laughs> you, you, you know what that remind me of? You know that class we had together with a certain teacher. <laughs> that bar, that bar went out the roof of the house. I mean, oh, I you talk like, about you R. Oh, yeah, 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 Mr. But R. You know what though? <laughs> I appreciated that because mm -hmm. when you push someone and they get upset and they take it <laughs> personal, they're not going to forget you for that. Professor. <laughs> And I struggled in econ class. He said, the toughest class that you have is the one that you'll remember the most. Mm, that's true, because he's yeah. the only instructor I remember <laughs> in that university. And, and what was his famous thing? Uh, and I'm looking for more. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I use oh. that. I use that today. You do. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, you all have good memories, because I think that I have psychologically uh, blocked out. <laughs> My entire educational career. <laughs> you had some good days. I know you had some good days. <laughs> I blocked it all out. I'm like, it's a, it's a memory. It's just, it's like a blurb. Well, like, I, I, you know, and and I can understand that as well because you know sometimes you get to the point to where it's like, wait a minute, I did that, and what was I thinking? <laughs> and listen, I find some papers sometimes that I wrote and I'm looking like, dang, did I write that? Girl, you smart. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't even remember it. I'm like, did I, like, dang, is this really my writing? We need like, to go on and publish that. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it might that be true. <laughs> I just, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing to me, this whole dynamic. And, and so I'm trying to remember some things mm -hmm. from my blurb. And um, I can say though, in all honesty, for the most part, I was excited to have black professors. Mm -hmm. And I, in particular, I was excited to have black male professors. Um, and you know, of course, as a woman, sometimes you obviously want to see that, but it still was just a different dynamic for me. And it was incredible. And I remember having a professor one time, and I do remember this, and it wasn't a difficult class because I, it was hit or miss. Because I can tell you an undergrad, because I was a little militant back then, <laughs> I didn't like soft professors. Yeah. Oh. And, oh. And so when I say soft, I mean soft on issues that pertain to Black people. You know, if I thought that they were, uh, going along to get along, we didn't get along. Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> so, so I encountered that as well. And so, you know, so I would hope that, um, you know, that, that professors understand that too, mm -hmm. that we don't need milk toast professors. Mm -hmm. You know what? And, and, and you have a valid point. I believe in 
not sugarcoating things. Yeah. I think that when, like when we when we broach certain topics in class, like diversity and prejudice and racism, I don't sugarcoat it, but I have to be politically correct well, because I don't want someone taking what I'm saying and turning that into a storm that's going to come back and get me. I'm going to talk about everybody. You know, there's nobody excluded. I'm going to talk about my black folks. I'm going to talk about my white people. I'm going to talk about my Hispanics and everybody else. Okay. So everybody's going to get equal billing. And you are correct. You don't need to sugarcoat that. But you also have to create that fine line because we're still professional. And some people in this day and age, you can just say the wrong thing. And next thing you know, you wound up in a lawsuit somewhere. Or going viral. <laughs> or going viral. Exactly. Like, All right. Because like, the phone's right. Or going viral. Or going that Dr. Todd saying that in his classroom? You know what right. I'm saying? So, right. right. Exactly. You know, exactly. Recording and screenshotting and, and <laughs> so mm -hmm. technology stuff nowadays. Technology has made it awfully available for malfeasance, if you will. Yes. And we, we have to guard against that. I mean, and it's only going to get worse with the uh, artificial intelligence coming up, which they're already using anyway. Mm -hmm. But uh, when it comes on a grander scale, oh, we're going to have some problems. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to have some problems. Yeah. You know, but my, we my talking... issue wasn't a professor who was, um, who was like that. <clears throat> I'm sorry? Who was, who was not being put... Who, I said my issue wasn't the guy being politically... Mm -hmm. Correct. It was him just outright, I think, being fearful. Right. And, you know, he argued with me over a thesis statement because of what I said. He didn't like what I said. And so <sighs> he challenged that. And I ended up going to several other professors to make sure that what I had written was a legitimate thesis statement. And it was. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that was so that was my hang up was was he was trying to like, well, you can't say that. Well, why can't I say that? Maybe you can't say it, but I can say it. <laughs> <laughs> right, you're a student. You're, you're, you're writing about something. No, and, and I get that. I, I get that. Um, and, you know, one of the things as a, a professor, you have to be very careful on how you approach certain subjects because it's the wording. If somebody says to me, uh, you know, if, if I put down in track changes when I'm grading papers, what is this with exclamation points? I'm going to make you <laughs> mad because now you're going to take offense and then you're not going to listen to anything else I have to say. So if you come at somebody wrong, well, you can't say that. The first thing you said was, well, how come I can't wait a minute? <laughs> you know, and then there goes that whole thing, you know, and some professors, I'm going to say this, some of my colleagues, um, they, some may have control issues, you know, that five bases of power, you know, <laughs> like that power and coercive power, okay? Yes. You're going to do it or I'm going to fail you. Then you have those uh, instructors that may be laissez-faire. Just turn it in when you need to turn it in and we'll get that and we'll blah, blah, blah. And then I, I read some of these reviews when you go to rate my professor because oh, they, yeah. oh, they yeah. call you a grammar Nazi. Go on there, look at mine. Oh, they don't like me. <laughs> The grammar Nazi, Lord have mercy. You call me a grammar Nazi, okay? But my thing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I should have put you so up funny. my professor before we got on here. How about that? <laughs> I, I, you know, I had my daughter looking at them, and I was like, I, I want to show you what some of these students think of your dad, you know? Uh, and she was reading some of this stuff, and I find it ironic that if you're going to criticize me, 
make sure you hit spell check. <laughs> Oops. I wanted to send it back corrected. <laughs> oh, no, wait a minute. Wait a so, minute. You're going to correct the criticism for it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Do, do, get it right. But here's the thing. You know, you have to have a balance and you have to watch out for those students that will come in and challenge you. And I, I had one particular person that really got belligerent and it took everything in me to remain professional because some I thought my tongue was going to snap off its rollers because this person, <laughs> it was blatant disrespect. And then it happened to be from a person not of color. OK, then it was an undergraduate class and you're working towards a bachelor's. Really, dude? <laughs> Want to critique you? Oh, you you got your bachelor's, master's, and doctorate. And sometimes you just want to just you know just uh, how does my wife say mush them? You know because <laughs> it's just like you you want to come and you want to say all this, but you can't back it up. Then you want to attack me because now you're feeling like I could have given you a break. I gives no breaks. I'm going to tell you something. I don't believe in the gray area. Is either black or white. There's no such thing as sort of pregnant. Either you are or you're not, <laughs> right? I love and this, sort of pregnant. <laughs> I think with that skill, I, I think that, you know, that sets the, the, that sets it up for how you're going to experience me for the next six or eight weeks, you know? And when I see people or students that are struggling, you know, as, as a professor, you know, you need to reach out and help. But if I'm trying to help you and then you want to correct me and then tell me how wrong I am, then I'm not going to do that. Then you're going to go ahead and go and, you know, talk to your advisor and they're going to beg me to grade your papers and I'm not going to do it. So I think one of the things is we need to establish how we're going to um, interact for the six or eight weeks. And then we have to deal with things because I've heard and I've read where on rate my professors, some students call other professors uh, easy graders or, oh, I got an easy A out of this class. No, 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 no. No, I had an instructor in undergrad. He told me, look, I don't give A's. He, that's exactly what he said. I don't give A's. Okay. <laughs> so I, I think that there's a lot going on. Um, in terms of you know getting the respect you know as a black professor i there's some people out there that swear up and down you ever hear somebody say well uh you're a doctor are you a real doctor it's like yeah. wait a what do, you, what do you mean because most people don't understand that you know there's educational doctors and there's medical doctors but yeah. until we educate our people coming up or even some of them old ones you know, ain't Joanne them. You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, we got to let them know. It's okay. But you don't have to be intimidated by someone who has a PhD. Okay? I don't demand that people call me Dr. Kai. No. You call me what you was calling me before. Now, when we're in a professional setting, a little bit different. But other than that, you know, I, I put my pants on one leg at a time like everybody else. But I think society has this stigma that you know, those in higher education may have the book smarts, but don't have the street smarts. How many times have you heard that? Okay. So when you bring a different dynamic from the streets through education to your classroom, I think students are a little bit more well-rounded. 
Mm. I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going that was going to be my question too. So what has been your experiences and how your students react to you as being a not only just an instructor but a black instructor with a, a doctorate degree? I know it. There are a lot of people out there, including some of our own people, who could be very resistant. Show a lot of resistance to it. That I know I get it. Oh, you a doctor? Like, what is that supposed to mean? You know, why ain't you doing this or why ain't you doing that? As if they like they're the doctor police. I, I don't know. It's it's kind of weird. Like everybody seems to know what you should be doing with your doctorate. But I was just curious to know, and you did touch on it, how you have some students that are a little more resistant. Um, since you touched on that resistance from students, what type of resistance have you gotten from maybe, you know, other instructors or, uh, or adjunct faculty or administrative faculty? You know, as, uh, as uh, instructors, uh, we band together. We don't try to do this us versus them, but it's really us versus them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> because the, the mentality of the students, some, not all, and these are based on my experiences, some students feel as though they're paying their money, so your money is going to my salary, mm. and I should pass you. Wow. Wrong. See, and I'm that one doctor that, or that one instructor that the students run into that they just can't handle. They, I guess they call me Dr. No, because we're not going to do all this, and if you're going to challenge me, I can understand if you do it on merit, but if you're just talking out of the side of your neck, we're going to have a problem. And I've had to go through my uh, chairperson on a few students because you're not going to just disrespect me outright in the class and there's other students. I've had students post, you know, improper discussions. I've had them curse. Yeah. I, oh, I've had to wow. pull Oh, yeah, pull it in. And thinking that they're funny, that's not funny, Okay. Um, did you read the academic standards once you enrolled into this university? I think a lot mm -hmm. of times people think, oh, online, I can do this, that, and the other, blah, blah, blah. Oh, it's, it's easy. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Oh, I can That's do it. Lie. That's a lie. So, it's harder. But, you know, you, you do run into pockets of resistance. I've had students who have I've seen come in just horrible, and I knew the outcome was going to be terrible. But the ones that ask questions and I can see some improvement, I'm going to work with you, okay? The ones that come in and you give me your resume that you've, you're a 3.98 and you're on the dean's list and this is your second <laughs> master, guess what? I'm going to see what you know. I want to, especially when it comes to writing, because if you've already earned a master's degree, then you should be able to write properly. I've had them, you know, wash out. And then sometimes, and I had a discussion with uh, some of my colleagues, uh, and one colleague told me, he said, look, there are some people that should not be in graduate school. And they're going to display it. Mm. <laughs> we try to help them. But if, 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 I, if I'm giving you, if, if I give you an APA PowerPoint on the nuances of writing in APA style and your paper is a total wash, then that tells me you didn't even pay attention. And I'm constantly telling students you need to create a work-life school balance. And at the graduate level, well, I work really hard on this paper. Well, this is graduate school. You're supposed to work hard. <laughs> There's a disconnect. Yeah, so, I remember that. I remember that yeah. a lot. 
I got a B. Well, you know, if you get a C, you're not going to pass, right? You, you do understand that, right? You know, so it, there's a fine line. And with each, each class, there's a different dynamic. I'm finding a lot of students coming in, English is the second language. And if the English is jacked up, you know the paper's jacked up. So because there's different rules, you know, with regard to grammar from different countries. And see, we have to take all that into account. Are they trying to make a connection? Can I see where they're going? And some days when you have about 28, 30 students and you get to number 26, oh, you, 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 <laughs> you know, you, you just want to pull that cap over your face like Weird Harold from uh, the Cosby Kids. You know, it's, it's just like, I can't do this. <laughs> but it, it just, you know, I'm going to, I want to make a difference. And I've had students send, you know, emails stating that, you know, I was just going through the motions until I came to your class and you made me critically think and research. Because you're not going to come in here and just sit. I'm not going to just ask you a question and call it a day. You need to connect it. You need to make sure that it makes sense. It's relevant. It flows. And it's fully supported with authors that have a, uh, what is they a, a date and title. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the students that want to write, uh, write a paper, they don't want to have any references and get upset because you asked them to cite some. But with, no, no, here we go. You're in graduate school and you use a Wikipedia. Hello. <laughs> Why well, okay. date with somebody? I, I just had to. I, I just want to testify here. No, I'm just joking. Come on with it. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, can't stand the, I can't stand these Google, these people with a PhD in Google. <laughs> <laughs> they can earn PhDs, JDs, MDs, all. <laughs> and it's like, Learn how to properly research. I, I, I just, <laughs> it blows my mind. Yeah. And Wikipedia then, said. And then they want to challenge you <laughs> with their Google facts. And then you and sit then, there like. And when you stop talking to them, they think they've won. And it's like, no, <laughs> let me give you the John Henry Clark version. I only debate my equals. Leave me alone. <laughs> it, oh, it, it's oh, just, oh. when they come at that, I'm like, obviously, you don't know what ProQuest or Ebb's co-host is, do you? Oh, come on. <laughs> well, they don't have they access. Don't know. Of course they don't know. Investopedia is not a scholarly source. Neither well, yeah. is mind tools, neither is Webster's Dictionary. How do you cite the dictionary about organizational leadership when you have a textbook and then a library with a wealth of scholarly and peer-reviewed articles? How do you use Webster's Dictionary? What, what? You can do that in high school. Oh, no, high school, I'm talking about graduate school. No, I know, I know, but I was joking. Like, you can do <laughs> hey, hey! there is Google Scholar. I mean, people want to use Google so much. Go to Google there Scholar, Google and it Scholar. will take you to yeah, all they're these. Not using. Right, they're not using it. I'm just making it. If you're I'm just not scholarly, how do you know? <laughs> what I know now because we're doing this particular podcast, and so if somebody listening, you may say, oh, what is Google Scholar? And then they can Google what Google Scholar is. But and the point up all kind of journals. 
you know, but that's, that's just the reality. And I don't think that people get that. And sometimes we feel like there are people who say, well, you know, college isn't for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I get that. But there are certain skill sets that we learn at that level that you just don't get with a trade. Mm-hmm. That you just don't get coming out of high school, that you're just not taught. And part of what we're talking about right now is that aspect of research. And knowing how to research things can help you a lot to understand what's going on even in the world around you. That you can't just look at somebody else's biased opinion about something as opposed to something that's, that's sound. So I, you know, I, I'm kind of, I kind of waver because I get that whole aspect of not everybody should go to college. But I really think most of the times, because we hear that mostly with men, and I really believe it's because there's no representation of themselves. And that's why they don't see college as it being for them. Uh, well, being a black male, I'm going to tell you this. Uh, and, and what you, I agree with what you're saying, because if, if you don't build it, they can't come. Right. Right. Um, and I think that, you know, when you're underrepresented like that, then that just decides, you know, that may say, okay, well, I'm ready and I did good on my ACTs, but you know what? I don't see a whole lot of people looking like me. So I'm going to go and be a diesel mechanic. Nothing wrong with it. If my hands wasn't so big, then I would have been a diesel mechanic. But if I bump my knuckles three times, that's it. I'm done. But, uh, you know, and, and you're right. College is not for everyone. And I've unfortunately had to contribute to some folks uh, to the herd being thinned. Okay. Because if I socially pass you, I, and we can't do that in college. <laughs> you know, that, that was part of that no child left behind Bush era stuff. I can't socially promote you and you're a grown person in college, dude, really? That, that I would do you a great disservice. So perhaps you need to take a break and think about what it is that you need to do and reevaluate your life. Because there's a lot of folks out there that don't have time for college. They want to go ahead and get the degree, but not put the work in. When we were talking about the Google Scholar and all that, and uh, you guys reminded me of a comment. Um, somebody said, if you don't want black folks to find out about it, put it in the book, because you know we don't read. You know, that's sort of like when you bring home that, uh, that box from Target and you just, you don't read the directions, you just look at the box <laughs> and then you put it together like that. Oh, oh, so I'm the only one that's ever done that, right? <laughs> that's a man thing, sorry. <laughs> Women read directions. No, 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 no. Oh, now. So you know what? I'm going to give you that one. I'm going to give you that one. I read instructions. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. I got you. I want to I talk about, kind of shift the conversation to research and development and how mm-hmm. important um, having a black man in a, in a instructor role in those uh, in those colleges where research and development is very important and i want to name the top five hbcus um that are that, that are up there as far as mm-hmm. research um morehouse school of medicine 
known for known for the, the type of research that they do in medicine and, mm -hmm. and it's top top of the game uh, another school i want to mention and that is famu for their research and development jackson state for technology and research and development oh please not dr king please not please not dr king <laughs> You had to do it, didn't you? <laughs> I had to do it. I, I had to do it. I had to do it for Dr. King. But, you know, it is uh, Dr. King is our classmate. But anyway, because um, that's her, that's her, uh, that's her alma mater right there. <laughs> but, you know, it is a lot. If you do your research on HBCUs and see the amount of research that is being done or being accomplished at HBCUs under direction of, of quite a few black instructors, you'd be, you'd just be, you'd be blown away by it. Mm -hmm. And it's very important that we do have our black instru black instructors in those HBCUs leading the way on those on that type of research because that's impactful for the black community. Who who else has a strong interest in what goes on in our community or what helps our black community? Who's going to care about the high level of high blood pressure in the black mm -hmm. community outside of our black instructors or our black doctors because these are instructors are teaching our future doctors right these, these black instructors are teaching our future lawyers so crime is at a high rate in the black community who is teaching or leading these young future black attorneys to give back to their black community take that skill level to give it back to the black community and so what are you all's thoughts on that ladies first <laughs> <laughs> you put me on the spot, huh? <laughs> I, I put you on blast. I, I see. It's okay. Because you mentioned the, the HBCU factor and, and, of course, going into to the law school aspect, I can't really speak to it because I didn't go to an HBCU for law school. Um, and... Albeit, I know people who have gone to HBCUs for law schools is a little bit different. I mean, I think we the one that comes to mind for me, obviously, is Howard, because Howard is considered like the Harvard when it comes to black law schools. The black Harvard, right. It's called black yeah. Harvard. <laughs> so um, as far as the other ones, I, I honestly, I, I, you know, I don't want to really give an opinion about that. Um, but I know people. I have colleagues who have gone and, you know, and I have a lot of respect for them. And I do feel like a lot of their professors take a certain, um, they're just different. Let me, let me give you this. What I discovered, and I said this before about being in law school, so I'm, I'm going to take the HBCU out of it. What I noticed when I was in law school was that those students that went to HBCUs, that came to law school with me, seemed to me to be more confident than those of us who went to PWIs. That's not to say that we weren't confident, but there was just a difference in them as law students to me that I noticed and I paid attention to it each year at, for people that I knew that came from HBCUs. So what I would see because Obviously, in law school, there's the Socratic method that's done, particularly in the first year where you put on the spot, all of that. They were the first ones to raise their hands without hesitation. I saw it in every classroom. So I attribute that to what they received. So then I could only conclude that those who went to a, to a HBCU for law school is still getting that extra something that they got 
in undergrad or grad school mm -hmm. prior to coming to law school. So that's no, kind of how. Why, the reason why I wanted to mention, uh, the reason why I gave the context of the HBCUs because of the fact that the promotion of what they're doing on the research level and, and on research and development and but really just to highlight the fact of the, the black instructors and how if you take if you take those black instructors and you so you put them in an environment where there's black students how impactful to the black community that would be because that energy is going to be more focused to what affects our people do you understand what i'm saying even though that could that could very well take place at a predominantly mm -hmm. white institution i'm not saying it can't because there are black instructors at white institutions i mean i, I taught at a predominantly white institution, but when I had those, but I had a lot of black students in my class and it was like, okay, my, I'm going to steer my teaching to its relevant to everybody in class. Mm -hmm. And it being that I have black students in the class, it's going to be relevant to our people and how it could be used in our community. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that, that contest could very well take place at a predominantly white institution. I went to Columbia. We went to Columbia and the amount of black instructors that we had and the impact that they had on black students mm -hmm. was, was immeasurable. You know what I mean? I oh, remember yeah. the first economic, I remember the first black instructor I had at Columbia College of Chicago. It was an economics teacher and I didn't want to take the class. When I tell you the first day, I was blown away by him and his approach to teaching economics that I ended up, I think I got an A in the class and I didn't really want to take the class, but he made the class relevant to me mm -hmm. as a black woman. And mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that he purposely did it. I just think as a black male, it was so much easier for him to teach it in a context where it was impactful for me. But I like to say everybody in his class loved him. So, and that was just the context that I was speaking of in Keela, not to just to shed light on HBCUs, but just the fact of, I, forgive me for not clarifying, but just the fact of a black instructor and he's dealing with black students and how impactful that was. But thank you for sharing, for sharing your experience. I, I think that uh, <clears throat> Kayla made some great points. Um, with you, you, you were indicating how the students would come to class and exude confidence. Yes. Uh, and they were the first ones to raise their hands yeah. for the questions and all that. And, and I can see that because uh, I, when I was at Clark Atlanta, and, I'm, and I have a point for you too, uh, Dr. Muhammad. When I was at Clark, the, one of the things that they taught us was that we each one teach one and make a way, okay? And then on top of that, just because we were at an HBCU didn't mean that we were gonna go easy on you. In fact, my professors in the HBCU were tougher on me than uh, the, my uh, undergrad professors, just because they've gone through it. They're bringing their cultural experiences into the classroom to teach it and how it, how it can be relevant to everyday life. Clark Atlanta's, uh, actually their biology and chemistry department is uh, renowned because what they've done is they've had the black research professionals, you know, the, the, uh, the instructors and whatnot, and what they were doing when I was there, they were working on trying to curb diabetes in the black community. And for that to occur, they first had to get educated about it. Then they had to go out into the community, be excited about saving my uncle from uh, sugar so you don't get your leg cut off. I see you, I see you chuckling. 
that sugar diabetes. <laughs> sugar diabetes. <laughs> Your sugar's bad. So, uh, you know, but by them demonstrating a passion for it, you, you can always tell who has a passion for what they do based on how they present it to you. If you're standing up there monotone, I'm going to sleep because I want to see how's that going to relate to me? What am I going to get out of this? Dr. Muhammad, um, at Clark also, I remember because my master's is in public administration. So what they had was uh, every year we would go to a competition down at Albany State in Fort Valley State to where, you know, our public administration department would go in and we would go ahead and uh, do uh, our papers. Okay. I remember I did one on uh, globalization and, you know, its impact on the HR function because, you know, I really can't choke you out if you're 200 miles away from me. Okay. <laughs> I got to cuss you on the phone. But, you know, the way they prepared us for it and their knowledge and expertise in driving us to make sure that, okay, you can either dazzle them with brilliance or baffle them with, you heard that? <laughs> we'll be you heard that? Right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, as far as with the research that you're uh, indicating, my professors made sure, don't you come in here talking to me about nothing unless you have three or four sources to back you up. Mm. Okay? I had to tell that to my daughter who... When she was in high school, oh, Wikipedia is your friend. No, it's not. Okay, it'll get you caught up. <laughs> Wikipedia. <laughs> Litigation. So, you know, if you come in, know the facts. That's all you need to know what you're talking about because we, uh, look, I've been crucified before coming in thinking I'm knowing everything. And then the next thing I know, uh, they got cut off at the knees. I was a little stumpy leaving. So I think that uh, when we have those, those folks that are committed and then we can go ahead and get it into the community and keep those expectations high, I think that more black males would, may have the gumption to continue with higher education. But it's a crapshoot. What do you think it'll take to convince more? How do, how, do, how, do we, how do we shift that? Okay. That's a good question because I, we do need a paradigm shift in the way we approach education, period, in the Black community. Okay. I can see bits and pieces of it just because of technology the way it is and you know the ability to access the information superhighway you can find anything out there that you want now how can i get you to the point to where you want to learn remember how your 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 elementary teacher would get so crafty to make you want to learn even though you couldn't stand social studies which i love but you know we have to get that part we have to go into our communities we have to educate parents on how to help their children. You have to go with them to those, uh, you know, to register them to take the SAT and the ACT. You have to be able to get those, you, know, you, you need to go to those parent-teacher conferences. You need to talk to your child's 
teachers to find out where they're going before they get to that next level. Because you and I both know in some of the underrepresented, and you know what I mean by upper, underrepresented populations, according to the government, uh, our students, or our, our children, our future, they're more, they're being steered to go into business for themselves, which I get. But if you don't understand the foundation, how can you go into business? I'm so tired of people saying, well, I want to open a business. Well, opening the business doesn't mean you're getting a, you know, an EIN number, you know, and an LLC. <laughs> if I hear that one more time. <laughs> I want to get a business. <laughs> but I you got, plan. They think having an LLC means that they actually have a business. But let's, <laughs> let's, let's go on. I'm sorry, because that's not okay. what we need to get into the community. I think what we also need, we need more black teachers on the uh, you know, elementary, junior high, and high school level. Right. I think that would help. And I think that that could plant a, a sow a seed. And then when we get to the undergraduate part, because that's going to determine, that first semester is going to determine if you're coming back or not. And many a day, I was like, uh, yeah, I'm ready to go because I'm not digging this. You know, so we have to, we have to, as parents, instill in our children, don't quit. It's going to get tough. Yeah, you're going to, you're going to hate your, hate doing this, that, and that, but don't quit. And when we have that mentality of, well, we're living in a fast food generation anyway, because everything is just so fast, microwaves, fast food, this, that, and the other, you know, even you, you can text fast. So we don't slow down to do you know, the traditional functions, okay? And I think that black women have done a phenomenal job in encouraging black males to seek that higher education. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, grew up in a two-parent household for a little while. It took my mother 10 years to get her bachelor's degree but she did it with five kids. She would go, stop, go, stop, blah, blah, blah. Right, right. But when it was my turn to graduate from high school, I'm looking at her like, well, if she can do it with five kids, <laughs> what's my excuse? <laughs> You're right. I had none. Okay. Plus I had the tools, you know? So if we, it, for instance, when, when my daughter, when we would go uh, on campus visits, I went to those meetings with her and I started asking questions because a lot of people don't ask questions. You have these athletes getting these scholarships, but my first question is, uh, are you going to make him use up all of his uh, eligibility and then he'll still be a sophomore his senior year? Because you have him taking these classes that are irrelevant to a degree. What is general studies? How do you get a degree in that? We I mean, I'm not making light of it, but I mean, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I mean, how does that work? So we, 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 we can encourage our youngsters. You know, a lot of these, like in Atlanta, they have a lot of mentoring programs for black kids. They have a program down in, uh, what is it? I think it's Augusta, Georgia. No, Savannah. It's called uh, Let Us Make Men. You know, a mm. uh, former classmate of mine, uh, city council, former city council member, Derek Bozeman. He's the head of that. And then they have um, on Fridays, Real Men Read. A lot of professional mm -hmm. men go into these schools and read to these children. Wow. 
Okay. The first time I saw a black professional, you know, in a higher up position was when I moved to ATL. Because growing up in Omaha, we didn't have any black city councilmen. Well, I'm sorry, we had two. We never we didn't have a black mayor, black police chief, black fire chief, black uh, mayor, black district attorney. Everything was black. I didn't know how to handle it because it was it was it was overload to me because that I, I'm you know going to a predominantly white institution. I don't think the rah rah is there as opposed to an HBCU because they know the struggle. Okay, but we just we need to encourage. We need to shift that, as as you said earlier. You know, we need to find. You know, and, and we need not give up on the kids so quick. We need not do that. If they're struggling to get a two point three, and I'm gonna tell you this, my college grades were better than my high school grades. Okay, well, I suppose when you got to pay for something, then you really gonna you gonna give it your all. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. But <clears throat> you know, we, we just we need to be visible and uh encourage our children. That goes for boys and girls. Okay? That goes for boys and girls. You know, I think I think uh the what can as far as the shift, I think mm -hmm. incorporating a knowledge of agriculture makes a very, I think it influenced our children and our people. Case in point, when I went to the Joseph Fields farm, Tequila, you know, you, you was there, you were present. The understanding and the education I got on that tour, I felt like I had, I had a, got that information like in a class. It, mm -hmm. it was almost like sitting down in a classroom and it gave me a different perspective of what it means to bring knowledge back to the black community. When you understand when you understand the importance of agriculture and that you don't eat without ag without understanding agriculture and how important developing soil. Mm -hmm. I that just something I ain't I wake up in the morning and think about developing soil or turning taking my soil conventional soil to organic. I mean I never even thought about things like that, but going on that farm and understanding what it took to the business skills it took to run a farm the strategic planning it takes to run a farm and it help it just gave me a whole new perspective on education to me mm -hmm. that was education not right. sitting in no classroom for somebody to tell me that and to me education is not just sitting in the classroom as neely fuller says the whole universe is a, is, a, is an education it's a college so that just changed my whole perspective mm -hmm. from being on that farm and says we need more black instructors and the instructor doesn't necessarily have to be in the classroom. If that means going to their business and letting them teach you how they run it and what that business means to our community, then I've learned something. Dr. Muhammad, you just, my wife and I had this discussion the other day. Um, with regard, you, you, you touched on something and you're saying that, we need someone to come back and you know instruct our folks okay um there's only one issue with that that i have personally because we've 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 gone out you know we've tried to you know help others but if they're not receiving it truly then it is a waste of time I, we've wasted our time on a few things so mm. naturally we're guarded 
I want to help my folks, but I'm going to give you just enough to wet your beak and I'm going to see what you're going to do because you know how we get to talking all that noise. Yeah, I'm going to have this, that, and the other till tax time or, or, or let that payroll come up short. Oh, you go. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, you know, I, I think that we need to trust each other because what I see, and, and this is based on the last three and a half years of what's going on in current events with the MAGA hats and all that. I'm not a rabble, what do they call it, a rebel rouser. But if we can't trust each other in our own community and we allow these outside influences, influences to mm. permeate, we have a problem. This is true. This okay. Is true. And a lot of folks get caught up in it. And I'm so tired of that. Like when, when you know when, when we decided to become a foster care agency, we, we knew the drill. Then we moved towards adoption, and then you know, uh, vocational rehab. But here's the thing: we know we can't make all the money. We're not trying to make all the money. So you know, we've enlisted the help of others who've helped us along the way, and then we try to pay it forward. But if I'm paying it forward to you and you worrying about uh, we having a business meeting at uh, uh, Red Lobster, you worried about it, you didn't get your shrimp, but I'm trying to make a point. <laughs> oh, she didn't bring my shrimp. That <laughs> happened to the wife. <laughs> but, uh, you know. They bring it, tray. No. Or some people come in with grandiose ideas. Oh, I'm going to make $5 million in the first year. Son. Let me tell you something. If you don't have it right, and if you don't understand, you know, supply and demand, and if you have something that is not in demand, and you have a well <laughs> supply, you gotta, you better sell it better. You better have a fire sale. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but the thing of it is, is that we have to trust each other. We have to, we have to let each other know. Look, I've got your back. Okay. Come to me if you need something, you know, but don't gain me. I don't want to hear, you know, and, and what's the term that, uh, oh, here we go. What I see in my professional life, and this is based on the experiences, I see sometimes a lot of coonery. <laughs> yeah. And it bothers me. It really does. Because now you're <laughs> engaged in some, some things that's going to blight us as a people okay and if you have coonery in business no telling who or what you gonna sell out what did chuck d used to say hustler of culture it's it's, it's a curry. <laughs> yes hello yeah. did you just quote chuck d i just That's quoted it. chuck d funny because akila you know on every podcast it's about she got her rap lyrics that she like to bring out so when you brought up the chuck d i said oh He's making sense. Him and KRS-One, if people listen to him. But this you is know? true. This is true. This so, is true. You're so right. It, we, That's we, that boule type. That's that boule type stuff. We've, we've got to stop that, though. We've got to stop it. And we need to be able to take criticism from our peers instead of, oh, well, you just jealous because, you know, I got a 68 Buick <laughs> sitting on 20s. Oh, really, dude? <laughs> but you put $3 okay. in at the gas pump. Okay. I saw you. <laughs> Hate. Okay. Everything is hate. Oh Say that again. I said you're hating. Everything is. It, why is that? <laughs> why is that? A disagreement is not hate. It's a it's disagreement. Not. We need to understand. <laughs> we'll we'll take it and internalize it, 
because we're not, you know, secure within ourselves and we don't want to hear what you have to say because that may have us to take an introspective look at ourselves. You know, I don't care if you don't like me, but if I'm doing something that because we can't see outside of ourselves. Yes. Okay. So what it is, that tunnel, that tunnel vision. Yeah. I was gonna say the quote to Southern folks is a hit dog will holler. So. Of course. <laughs> you know, it will. She's right. And you know, we've just got to stop that. We have to learn to trust each other. We have to heal. Yes. We have to heal. And you know, what 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 went on and, and the black family is the one that, ooh, this is where you know it starts, and then if when we don't cut it off then we take what has gone on here and we put it into the community or out into the galaxy in a negative light. And then it's just, it's like, wow. I'm sorry, I just went on a tangent. No, that's cool. But on that note, we about to go into some challenges. Okay. Dr. Todd, this is a part of the show where we talk about challenges and I love to challenge my list. Bring it on. I have been I have been labeled the challenges. See, he will be like, okay, you know, I ain't scared of challenges, you. right? <laughs> so here's my first one: black men with bachelor's and master's degree. I need you to shoot for higher degrees because your skill set is needed. And also, you need to heighten your skill set. There's more that you can do for yourself. There's more that you can do for your community. Get all the knowledge you can and bring to the community. Also, your presence is needed because there are so many people that are acquiring to have higher degrees who look like you and would love to see you in those positions in which they would learn from. So think about it. Second, we need Blacks in higher education that, who are already there to come back and bring that knowledge to the Black community. Of course, of course you just can't, like, like you said, Dr. Todd, you can't get pearls to smile. Everybody's not going to receive it well. But find out where you need it. And, and tread wisely. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> my next, uh, my dad, right, based on what you said, you're right, because it's true. Everyone is not going to value what you bring, but I mean, you, you just sit back and observe and see where your mm-hmm. skills are needed. And sometimes you just have to create what is needed and those mm-hmm. who need it, you can serve them and everybody else can just keep it moving. Uh, the next challenge is approach education with a black perspective. Education, we should not approach education with the mindset of, I'm going to go contribute to the larger society. That's not serving us in the Black community. We need to approach education with the idea and the perspective is, what can I learn here to take back to my community? This is how we could create supply and demand in our own communities. Because if there's no one doing a certain thing in your community, that could be you doing it and stay looking for some other company to do it or to go get employed by that company to do it. Let's start doing for self. Next one is get into all levels of education. Like, man, we need you at the elementary level. We need you at the undergrad level. We need you at the graduate level. Please get involved. And last but not least, all I'm going to challenge all my professionals, my black professionals, to teach your experiences. Try to go out and teach, even if it's in the community, if it's in non-for-profit organizations, or in the academic field. Teach what you know. Pass that knowledge on. And on that note, Dr. Todd, thank you so much for for joining us today. Can you let everyone, let all our listeners know where they can where they can find you? Uh, find me where? 
<laughs> Wait, do media, I want to be found? <laughs> Am I missing? Our organization is Ray of Hope Foster Care and Adoption <laughs> Services Incorporated, and we're located in Union City, Georgia. Um, we we do, like I say, foster care. We do adoptive services, and we are also uh, a vocational vocational rehab through the state of Georgia as well. So. What we're doing is we're just trying to help our community with needy children and families to provide them a safe and stable environment because, you know, the, the, the kids, you know, that's my weak spot, you know, because if we can't help them now, then it's going to be a culmination of everything we discussed today. Okay. In, in, in a nutshell, and I've, I've seen a few things, but I just, you know, I just want to make sure that everybody knows, you know, if it don't look right, it's probably not right, and we should question it. Okay. Is there now is there any way they can contact your organization or you at your organization that you would like oh. to share with us? What you can do, we are uh, uh, rayofhopefostercare.org. That's one word. You can go to our website, and uh, we have some information on what we are and what we're about, you know, our mission, our mission and vision, which is creating brighter futures on the horizon. You should always know your mission. If you don't know your mission statement, you got problems. <laughs> okay. Um, and, and that's what we're doing. So feel free to come on and, uh, you know, go to our webpage. And uh, since we are a 501C, uh, we, we accept donations. <laughs> now, we don't mind the money that jingles, but we prefer money that folds. <laughs> Could you just say that last? <laughs> I worked in TV for 15 years. Come on. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know i've enjoyed this uh uh opportunity to diatribe with dynamic people so uh i hope you have me back got you we definitely will we gonna have you back my brother and and thank mm -hmm. you for sharing your experiences in higher education and thank you for uh sharing what you're doing as far as your not-for-profit organization and just being an example of what we mean about those professionals and in higher organization that are going to give back to the community. So thank you so much. Also, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in this week. Thank you for always tuning in every week. We look forward to seeing you next week on Royal Conversations with the Royal Empress. Thanks for listening to another episode of Conversations with the Royal Empress. Tune in next week for another enlightening conversation. For more information on the Royal Empress, please visit the website royalempress.org. You can also follow the Royal Empress on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Conversations with the Royal Empress is a subsidiary of the Royal Empress Organization. All rights reserved.